Hello and welcome to another episode of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is John Jantz and my guest today is Paul B. Evans. And you got to put that B in there, you're not going to find him. Uh, Paul B. Evans, uh, speaking coach, uh, trainer, performance coach, uh, and really somebody that uh, is highly regarded in terms of, of really getting people uh, to come out of their shell, really, and and perform uh, in a way that uh, that really ignites audiences. So, Paul, thanks for joining me. Hey, thanks so much, John. I love being here. Well, so, you know, the triple threat now that everyone is, it seems, is, is an author, a consultant, and a speaker. It seems like every, everybody right. that, that I run with uh, is, is doing that. So, you know, what's that, what's that done to the quality of information, the quality of speaking? You know, you go to these conferences and they have 40 speakers and, you know, some of them are professionals. Some of them are trying to get into it. Has uh, the demand for speaking uh, grown or is it just really another generation of folks coming into it? I think it's really just another generation. I don't know that it's actually grown that much as far as the demand for speakers. I think that there are more speakers than ever before because we live in the age of so-called instant authority or instant credibility yeah, yeah. where where I can kind of say this is what I accomplished. I, I had a bestseller and, and didn't really have a bestseller. Yeah. Uh, I'm a speaker, but I'm not really a speaker. And I'm not even saying that to down anybody. I'm just saying that we live in the age now that if you want to blog or if you want to write a book and put it on Kindle, there are no barriers yeah. to putting a label on yourself. And so you can go to an event and there's 40 speakers there and they all have a quote message. And some of them are really good and some of them are not as good. And you understand why they're spending a lot more time writing than maybe speaking. Yeah. But the truth is, We've all been speakers our whole life. All we have to do is learn just a few rules of engagement that allow us to really become interested. Yeah, and you know, it's interesting as I hear you talk about that. Um, there, the, the days when you had to you know, really have a big publisher uh, to get a book out there, you had to be with a speaker's bureau, the right speaker's bureau to really get invited to, to talk at events. In, in a lot of ways, I suppose that that kept the bar high, but also in a lot of ways it kept people that, that really had something to share uh, out. And I, and I think that the good news is, I guess if you would say that, gosh, now anybody you know can be a speaker. Um, to me, the good news is I think there are a lot of people that are getting recognition that maybe wouldn't have in the traditional system. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about quote being a speaker, and you even mentioned a few seconds ago about a professional speaker. Like I'm probably I probably have that label because I'm paid to speak. But yeah. the truth is, I'm a lot more of a conversational speaker than I am someone who quote performs or has an act or anything along those lines. And so the great thing about today is that if you do know some things about speaking and you know how to engage an audience, then wow, you can do a podcast yeah. and you can put your message out there and you can put out a video series. And so many people are discovered today that a few years ago, it would have been impossible. So, you know, that's the good and the bad of, of both things, that that's anyone true. can go out and label themselves. But the great thing is, is that those who would never have been heard are now able to be louder than ever before and really share their message. Yeah, and and, and I think that that I've heard you say this or I've read this in some of your materials too, that, that when, you, when, I, when you were talking about being a conversational speaker, I, I think that really – the best speakers that I see are people that you at least feel. I mean, I guess some people can right. fake it, but you at least feel they're just being themselves, and that's just who they are, and, and that's attractive. Yeah, I think so, that if you see someone in the hallway and you see them on stage, if you feel like that's the same person, 
then you feel pretty confident about that. And the trust level increases exponentially. But if a person has one voice on stage, and we're going to be a little bit different on stage because we're pushing and we're, we're trying to reach that back row. Mm-hmm. But if we're in the hallway, we should be using the same vocabulary, the same diction, uh, the same accent. You know, all of that should be part of it. Yeah. Well, now I go to a lot of events, um, not as many as I'd like to uh, sometimes because I'm, I speak at a lot of events, so I don't get to just sit out in the audience as much as I'd like to. Uh, but uh, uh, we certainly have all experienced uh, that speaker that uh, that really you know you almost feel bad for him. I mean, everybody is is looking at their watches, looking at when, when they can get out of there. They are you you actually use the term human tranquilizer, right? Um, and and I, uh, um, I looked at a video you produced on that, and and you had some really good tips. I wonder if we could kind of run through some of those. As uh, obviously they're all kinds of areas we could go into with speaking, but uh, I think these are some pretty good high-level tips. So sure. um, you want to run through those, and uh, um, and and maybe I'll challenge you on a couple then to try to get you to expand on them. But, uh, so the first one you said is is be funny, and, I, and I'll, I'll challenge you right off the bat with this. Some people just aren't very funny. Um, how, how's that going mean, to and, and there's nothing more painful than somebody who's not funny trying to be funny. Yeah, I think that's the first <laughs> key is to know if you're not funny, and then right. just use funny leverage. Yeah. I mean, how many images have we seen on Facebook that we died laughing at and nobody delivered that? It yeah. was simply an image. Yeah. So we can use a graphic. We can use a cartoon. We can use a video. We don't have to be funny, but we are living in an age where there's no excuse not to be funny because we have all of these different resources right there at our fingertips that as long as we've got permission to use those, then we don't have to be funny. We simply select funny material. And nothing engages an audience more than laughter because yeah. you don't laugh with an enemy. You only laugh with a friend. Yeah, yeah, and I, and I think it, it really kind of turns on the emotional sensors, which are going to maybe open you up for receiving then the – I think we talked about it before we were on the air here, but uh, you're then then the killer message that you're going to come and you know really whack them with they might uh, might be more receptive to. Yeah, I think that that is one of the key things that you see in speakers who've been around a while is that they know that the opening of a message. Most people think of that as the beginning, yeah. but I think of it as the open. How can I get their heart as open, their mind as open as possible? Humor does that because if you say something that's funny. Well, that lowers defenses, yeah. and then you can hammer them. I was in uh, I, I see on Friday doing a keynote and told one of my, I guess, signature stories about being rescued at the gym one day. And when I talked about the pair of hands that appeared and lifted the weight off of me, and uh, I've been talking this whole time about being a man and being a personal trainer and got trapped under this weight. And when I was rescued, then at the beat, it's her name was Trisha. So I ended up, this man gets rescued. And so then the turn is, so today I'm here to lift some weight off of you. Yeah. And so that little bit of turn, it didn't even have to be heavy. It didn't have to be a full punch. It's just enough to use that humor to open them up. And then a quick segue to say, here's what we're going to do. I know that it's heavy on you today. I know that your life is not where it want, you want it to be necessarily. So I'm going to, I'm going to pull that weight off of you today and give you just a handful of ways that you can leave today, not only inspired, but also with some very specific principles to instill in your life that quite literally will shift every day from here on out. So things along those lines really work pretty well. So being funny, you don't have to be, but you can use a resource that is. 
Second one is uh, be interactional. And so you talk about uh, um, really, really using people almost as, as props and, and so that the people can kind of start seeing the examples that you're, uh, that you're giving. So you want to go into that a little bit? Yeah. And this is one of the riskiest things you can do as a speaker is if you are using people from the audience, yeah. you kind of have to know ahead of time what you're doing. You've got to have enough experience with it to be able to predict the outcome. Now, I will give you something that I do a lot that's fairly safe. Now, I am not tall. I'm not even five foot six. I thought I was because my driver's license said that. And then I remembered that I was the one that gave him that number. So I actually went to the doctor and found out I was 5.5.5. So I use that height factor all the time when I'm speaking. Well, this last Friday, I said, is there anybody in the audience that is six foot two or above? And a guy stood and he said, I'm six five. I said, come on up on stage. So when he came up and I'm standing next to him and I hugged him around his waist and I'm, I'm so far below him then immediately there's this connection with the crowd, you know, and the differences in height. And, you know, that as an opener was also funny to them just because of the the contrast. But that let them know that I'm not above them. I'm not coming in as this expert that's separating myself from them. So that type of involvement lets the audience know that you're for them. Now, on a very light level, you could actually talk to two or three people before your presentation and do something as simple as, and this is obviously not a new suggestion, but something as simple as saying, you know, I was talking to Bill out in the hallway. I was talking mm-hmm. to Kathy out in the hallway, and she made just a great point. And suddenly, you're part of them. Yeah. You're no longer the guy on the outside. You're an insider. Yeah, I, I, I do that as frequently as I can uh, to, you know, if I can get in the room ahead of time and go around some of the tables or something like that and uh, make some connection. And, and it's, it's, it's funny, um, you know, all of, I mean, sometimes they're taken aback. Oh, the speaker's talking to me. But you, you, uh, you, you instantly, I think, um, have some friends. Um, so right. I, th- I think it's really valuable. Uh, be clear. This is a great one because I, I do think I think most people tend to ramble, uh, not even speakers, but just anyone trying to communicate a point. So how do we get better at that? Well, the big key is just to simply have a point yeah. and you know what that point is. So overall, in every message, I try to think, what's my purpose? What's my goal of this message? And then every point that I'm going to share with them, and I'm pretty old school on this. I'm not a narrative speaker. I really believe in having some hooks and some points that are portable that people can actually walk out with. Mm-hmm. And so I make sure that every point goes right back to the purpose. So let's say avoiding becoming a human tranquilizer. I might come up with a list of C's for that and might say that, you know, you need great content, you need to have confidence, you need connection, you need control, you know, and so all those are C. And I know that seems old school because it's alliteration, but there's no getting away from the, the idea and concept that our minds work that way that we like the cadence, we like the rhythm, it's more memorable. The audience knows that you actually had something to say, and you know that not only did you have something to say, but that it was directly related to your purpose, and that helps you become clear. I, I think it also embeds it a little bit. It makes it easier for them to remember and walk away with and, and that, you know, in the end is what we're really after, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you want it to be, like I was saying, you want it to be portable. You yeah. want them to be able to carry it with them. You know, there's no greater compliment as a communicator than for someone to come up three, four, five, ten years later and say, I remember hearing you at X conference and yeah. you said, and yeah. it was one of your points. Yeah. Yeah. So the clearer that we can be, the clearer it's going to be the audience. But the other great thing is it helps erase our fear 
most people that I talk to who are really afraid of speaking is because they don't really know what they're going to say mm-hmm. or how they're going to say it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, you don't have this in there, but but certainly that's where practice um, absolutely <laughs> needs yeah. to come in there as well. Uh, point number four is be fresh, and that's really an interesting point because I. I you know, a lot of speakers that do this at any amount of time probably can relate. Um, you know, there's there's a couple core talks that I've probably given several hundred times, and I probably forget um, that that for most of the people in the audience, it's the first time they've heard it. Right. And that's almost across the board the first time. And even if it's somebody's fifth time or tenth time, they want to believe it's their first time. You know, they'll come up to you and say, hey, are you going to tell such and such story? Mm. Hey, are you going to do X, Y, and Z? So be fresh. Uh, You may know that my first wife actually passed away. It's been 20, almost 21 years now. It'll be 21 years in May. And so I still tell that story a lot. In fact, I told it last Friday, and I'm still emotional about it because that audience has not heard the story. Maybe a couple of them have, but most of them haven't. And so I'm telling an emotional story. It needs to have this feeling of, I just discovered it, mm-hmm. not, I'm, you know, hey, it's my 500th time, just yeah. passing it on to you guys, hope you can get something from it, because I'm exhausted. You know, if you go to a concert, and the band yeah. is singing that number one hit from 10 years ago, most people came to the concert for that number one hit, and they don't care if you're tired of playing it, and if you're tired of singing it, they want the best. And so it is our obligation to be fresh, to give the audience our best. Yeah, I, I think one of the things I do right or wrong is I, I really uh, consciously try to discover new things and, and, so, you know, and bring them to, uh, to maybe a presentation I've given many, many times because that kind of helps me stay fresh. Yeah, it does, because it, it revives things for you. Yeah. You see a little bit different angle, and it allows you to leverage that, I just discovered this attitude. Exactly, yeah. So um, your fifth one is be passionate. I, I think I, I, I have heard, and, and again, I think a lot of times misinterpret that to mm-hmm. to have passion when you speak. And I, I think it's really, I, I have seen some speakers that, that if you were going to just, if you were going to watch them without hearing anything, uh, you you would you know they had they, they they leaned on the podium and they did you know they did all the things wrong, uh, right? But but they you were so you so believed that they believed what they were talking about that all of a sudden that melted away. And I'm not suggesting we right. want to be sloppy speakers, but I do think that that's a level of passion that I think is misinterpreted. Yeah, I think that when it comes to passion, that this is the emotional transfer. If I'm simply sharing content, I can do that without emotion, mm-hmm. and it can be very factual. But most of us are not moved by facts. We're moved by feelings. And so when we are being passionate, it doesn't mean that we go crazy. Right. We don't go nuts. We just allow people to feel what we feel about the information or about the story. Because that's one of the greatest gifts I believe that we can give an audience is to transfer the exact feeling that we're experiencing to them. 
And so it really helps others. It delivers results. And the key is that we have to be able to believe enough in what we're sharing that we're, yeah, yeah. we're able to let that go. And you know that I often say speak with passion or just leave me a note. I mean, if we're not going to put some energy behind it or smile behind it or some good positive emotion behind it or at times negative emotion behind it, then we could have just left them a note, written them an article, and, and just left it at that. You know, and I, I think that transfers. I know we're talking about the context of, of public speaking, but I think that transfers to uh, to one-on-one selling uh, engagement. Mm. I mean, my, my father um, was really my first uh, sales coach, and, uh, and, and I remember him distinctly always saying, I couldn't possibly sell something that I didn't believe in, that I didn't think the product was good or that was good for the, uh, the person. And, I, and I, right. there certainly are people that can fake that, but I, I think that, that you, even in a selling environment, people genuinely feel whether or not you believe in what you're selling. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. You can't fake it. There are a handful of people that are able to do that. Uh, but for the most part, who we are, what we believe, what we feel is obvious, and we can't hide it. And it doesn't matter if we're talking about a movie. If somebody said, hey, I heard you went to see X, Y, and Z movie. What would you think about it? Oh, it was awful. <laughs> I mean, our face will contort. Our yeah. voice will change yeah. because we can't really hide emotion. But for some reason, when we step in front of a crowd or mm-hmm. even in front of someone that we're selling, then we lose that ability to be natural. Yeah. So, so uh, Paul, obviously, we could talk about this subject for a long time, but uh, w- w- tell people where they could find more information about how to become a, a, a better speaker or certainly uh, some of the other programs that, that, that you offer. Sure. Just come over to Paul B, as in boy, paulbevans.com. I've got just a slew of articles right there at the top of the page. Uh, on the left hand at navigation, you'll see public and professional speaking. You can click on that. There's a ton of free articles that will help you either get started or become better as a speaker. And even if you're advanced, there's going to be some things that you can utilize, apply to your speaking, and just keep engaging your audience. Yeah, and, and I this is a subject I've covered numerous times. My listeners know this. Uh, whether uh, Certainly I have a lot of listeners that, that either are or aspire to be paid or highly paid speakers, but uh, I think as a business owner, uh, communicating with your staff, communicating with prospects, communicating with investors uh, is really a uh, the high art of, of public speaking as well. And I, and I think that uh, uh, anyone can use and benefit from this information. Absolutely. Everybody's a speaker. If you tweet, you speak. If you post on Facebook, you're a speaker. Words are not going away. Well, Paul, thanks so much. It was great catching up with you again, and uh, maybe hopefully we'll uh, bump into you out there on the road. Absolutely. Thanks, John. 